0: Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems.
1: Comedy. Writing.
2: Interviews. EFM,
0: It's radio for so
2: much more.
3: Hello and welcome to Red Kite at East Leeds FM. Saren, can you tell us more? Yeah, hello everyone. We've got a really good show like up today we have an interview with the creators. um they'll call kitty and pat of samsville city and a few conversations with people and from the next gen music group a review of the music from kids in the Covered gig sean can you tell us more about that
2: yeah so about a year ago so every year we have a 24 hour annual 24 hour musicathon event and it's just this Crazy, mad, amazing event where we have over 40 acts that play. And um, we had uh, an associate bands group, one of our older group of musicians at Chapel FM, um, called Kids in the Cupboard, and they played in our studio three. Um, So I'm currently working with a younger group who are doing the arts awards, and part of this is that they review an event. And um, so we chose the Musicathon event. So they've had a listen to it and they've they've had a chat about what they thought. So it's just a bit a few of their thoughts, really, that, that you can hear. So, yeah, it's really good.
4: Fantastic. And we also have a couple of birthday shout outs this week for Red Kite participants. Um, so first of all, one of our hosts today, uh, Saren, turned 13, uh, I think, just under a week ago. Is that right, Saren?
3: yeah i did
4: things and how did you celebrate your birthday
3: um not by doing much but my aunt came around who's in our support bubble and we had a very small party
4: ah that's good 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 well and hopefully hopefully you can have a makeup birthday in the next few months i guess we're all going to find out on monday more more news about how lockdown is maybe changing or maybe not we also have a second birthday is that right sean one of your
2: Yes, happy birthday to Luigi, our youngest next-gen music member who has just turned 12. So yeah, happy birthday Luigi!
4: Brilliant. So do we have, let's see, more, more to share about what's coming up on the show today? Anything else people want to add? Uh,
3: yeah, so next up is an interview with uh, the curators of Sounds of Our City, which is an online expedition, which my group, the Next Gen Foundation, have been looking at, and so I hope that you'll enjoy listening to that.
5: Uh, hello, everyone. Listening to Eastleigh Defem, and we are currently joined with. Patrick Bond and Kitty Ross from the Abbey Museum um, and we're going to talk about the Sounds
6: of Our City exhibition today.
3: So Kitty, could you tell us about your job title and what you do?
6: Yes, I'm the um my job title is the curator of Leeds History and Social History. And so I look after um very large collections that we have in Leeds museums and galleries relating to sort of everyday life and people in Leeds. Um from over 200-300 years, right up to the present day, um, so it's a really varied collection and it's a really interesting job. Yeah, same
3: question as Ellie, but like, what's what your job title and what is it that you actually do?
5: Okay, so um, my job title um, is Assistant Community Curator, um, and like Kitty I work at Abbey House Museum and also across the road at Kirkstall Abbey. And my job's quite varied, really. Like like Kitty, I do put on uh, some exhibitions, um, but it's about engaging people with our collections, uh, people that might not normally be interested, normally think about coming into a museum um, and sort of going out to people, teaching them about our objects and our collections, but also um, like Kitty says, for this exhibition, um, I interviewed people, I asked them if they had anything they wanted uh, to put into the exhibition, trying to um, involve people, really, uh, and, and broaden, uh, broaden our appeal, I guess, um, as, a, as an institution, people who might not have thought of coming through our doors uh, before.
3: What is it that you do in the Sounds of the City exhibition?
5: Okay, so that's a really good question. In this exhibition, um, as Kitty said, we, we've got uh, a base of collections, lots and lots of things uh, in the collections, but we were thinking about how we could engage people um, a bit more and get them to contribute to the exhibition. So we looked at three ways, really. Um, the first one was we got people to send in lots of photographs um, of places they've been to see bands um, or music performed live across the city. So we got lots of really interesting digital photographs that we could then display, going back from the 1960s up to the present day. Um, and then we also um, got some more objects uh, loaned in, uh, things to do with uh, concerts that were held at Roundhay Park, for example, and things like um, platinum discs. We even got a ukulele mm-hmm. somebody um, actually gave us for the collections that was played on uh, for the learning to play section and lots of really interesting things like a sign from a record shop called Jumbo Records um, that was uh, loaned in that hung above a shop in Leeds for about 40 years. And then I also went out and interviewed lots of different people uh, about their roles in Leeds music over the years. So we started uh, by looking at record shops um, and focusing on people who had owned record shops like Jumbo in Leeds and Crash Records. And we looked a bit at songwriting. I uh, interviewed somebody who wrote uh, records for Kareem bailey Ray. Um, also for uh, street music we talked to a busker, we talked to people that wrote lots of fanzines, um, people that talked about different eras of music like 1980s music and 1960s music uh, and dance music as well. So um, it, was a, it was a few things um, and just ways of, of trying to engage, engage people really with the exhibition um, in, in different ways.
3: yeah uh like, why did you decide to do the history of music in Leeds rather than like um theater or like other things that you could have done
6: about well, that's a really good question well each year we try and find a different theme um to do an exhibition so um we hadn't done um an exhibition just about music for quite a while um and we had done in 2012 around the Olympics, we did an exhibition called Performance, which looked more generally at thought, theatre, music, and the arts. Um, so we had a very small section in, on music there. Um, but yeah, I think we just thought it was a, a good time to, to look at this. Um, and one of my colleagues, uh, who's not here, but another of um, our community team, um, Marek Romanishin, has for a long time been trying to build up our collections around um the, sort of Leeds music um, make them more contemporary he's done things like a big collecting project at um, the Leeds festival over several years um and working with different genres of music in Leeds um is working sort of the goth scene and hip-hop scene and that sort of thing to sort of make sure that we have representative collections uh, around those and actually working with people in those industries so um he'd been building up quite a lot of um, collections, some of which he'd put on in sort of specialist displays at the city museum for a month or two um, around, you know, something like hip hop or or the goth scene that he'd done recently, for instance. Um, But we wanted to look really very, very broadly um, at the whole history of music in Leeds, which is quite a big ask really, but um, yeah, we could have, an awful lot more material out we had to do quite a lot of selection to decide what did and didn't go in the exhibition
5: i just really wanted to know like how was that process of finding the people and was everyone up to actually doing an interview and how did if people weren't how did you deal with that That, that's that's a really good question george um yeah so it the, the, the the selection of the interviews um was kind of we we were thinking about what what are the what are the obvious sort of gaps really and and what are the different um uh sort of occupations i guess that people are involved in um so we did do quite a lot of reaching out to people on an on an individual basis and um and more or less everybody was up up for being interviewed i would i would say uh sometimes it was just working out the logistics of 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 how how we would do that um, so we started with the the record shop owners and Hunter Smith was one of the first ones. He was interviewed by myself and a, and a placement Emily um, about um, and, it, and really it was Emily that did the interview on that. And the same with Ian from from Crash Records. And then they put in touch uh, with a lady called Madeline Ackroyd who'd worked in balances for a lot of years. Um, some, sometimes it was contact. sometimes it was people coming forward, like we had a, a really interesting uh, young man called Alex, who was a, a busker, but he was also in a band called The Ten Moors, and he, um, he had a lot to say about what it was like busking and, and uh, that kind of culture as well. Um, but the, the process was quite, was quite um, straightforward, really, once we'd um, sort of got in touch with them to, to ask them the questions, And they were happy to sort of sit sit down with us for 40 minutes, 45 minutes and talk. And then we edited those down into shorter uh, interviews of about six minutes. Um, But there was only one or two people I couldn't really get in touch with. one, one one chap I'll mention um, who, who might be known to quite a lot of people is, is a promoter in Leeds called John Keenan, um, who has been played a big part in in uh, promoting gigs and his name actually came up quite a lot in different contexts, um, and he's done a lot of interviews through the year and he, he was a bit more more tricky to pin down. But we got a good cross section of of uh, of different genres. Um, we got a radio station. We got Fever FM, um, Radio Asian Fever FM interviewed. Um, and also Annette Morris um, talking about reggae music as well, and uh, Dave Beer who used to run the Back to Basics club nights as well. Uh, in, in Leeds, he did a really good interview for us. So it was it was a, quite straightforward. People were really up for giving their time um, and talking quite openly because I think that's the great thing about music. It's um, you know it's a real passion for those people to be able to uh, to talk about it and gave their time and they were really really generous actually with it. Yeah,
3: okay. so Keith, you've mentioned quite a bit about like. All your collections good, but how do you actually filter down what is from those collections it is going to go into the exhibition?
6: That's a really good question because, as I said, we've got a lot of material. Um, one of the things is to actually think about what themes we might want to look at in the exhibition. And when we start off, it sometimes seems a bit overwhelming that we've got a huge list of potential things we could put on display but you want to have some sort of story that you're saying. Um, so eventually, I think it unlocked a bit when we decided we rather than doing say, you know, a chronological history starting sort of 200 years ago and going through uh, in that sort of order, um, we looked for sort of um, themes that would unite across those, um, across the centuries. And we thought about the sorts of places in which you've um, experienced music, so the exhibition starts um, with a couple of cases it's really about listening to music at home. So there's one that we have as a sort of teenage bedroom over a, a very strange teenager who's been alive a teenager perpetually since about 1959 to the present day. Um, and we also had a sort of living room, which if we'd had a bigger case, we'd have liked to have had a piano in. Um, and then we looked at things like learning how Learning to play music, whether sort of through sort of private tuition or through schools, and and then all the other cases were really about um, sort of venues in which public music happens. Um, so whether it's formal concert halls, or um, particularly the Leeds Town Hall, but also as Pat mentioned, so things like in the street, in parks, um, in clubs, um, and um, in, in in churches. So all sorts of different places in which um music is played.
3: Uh, yeah, so obviously, Kitty, obviously right now because we're in COVID times, I've noticed that obviously you can't open an expedition like you normally do. So what were the challenges when you were opening the expedition now or in COVID?
6: and um, that's a really good question. I mean, one thing we've actually done, um, which I suppose is a bit of a bonus, um, is that we've decided to keep the exhibition up for a, fo- a year. We would have been taking it down in January and doing a new exhibition, but obviously we couldn't do that. So, um, Sounds of Our City will be on longer and we hope such that, that we will be able to open and let people back in um, when, when it's safe to do so. Um, but it's open till the end of December. Um, but what it did do is this is the first year, we've you've had a look at our online exhibition. That's something you know, we've always sort of wanted to do in the past, but actually haven't always had time to do. And it's something we did as a response to COVID was we had to make sure that we, um, so our um, social media and website team really helped us hugely to um, help put that ex- sort of exhibition online so that we could at least sort of um, allow visitors to have a look and hopefully wet their appetites to come and see the real thing
5: when we're open again. I'd just like to yeah mainly echo what what, what Kitty said really, it's sometimes with an exhibition, it's the conversations that are started off the back of, of, of the displays and, and the conversations it can prompt. And like with the Music Leads partnership, the, the things that, they, that can spark off and not just sort of showing off our collections, but also people seeing ways in which they might add to it and, and seeing the importance actually of collecting music for the future, you know, things that are 200 years old um, in an exhibition, but, you know, sort of carrying on that collecting. And I think, like Kitty says, just exploring what the lead sound is um, and making people aware, more aware of, of the diversity, really, in, in the city, um, because I don't know how many other cities have this, this diverse range. Uh, of of sort of originality and and, and different sounds and and exploring the legacy because we often hear about cities like Liverpool or Manchester with their some distinct sounds. Um, so, So yeah any of those things would be great.
4: And that was the sound, the song, Sound of the Suburbs by the members, chosen by Sean, great punk song, and following up on the interview we just heard before that with the Next Gen Foundation Group about the Sounds of Our City uh, Museum project, gathering up Sounds of Our City. And now we have coming up next, The Sounds of Lanre. Lanre Adelier is with us, and Lanre is a longtime Chapel FM former young person, next-gen broadcaster, all-around renaissance man, and now telling us about a couple of amazing new projects that he's been involved with and heading off on new adventures. So first, welcome to the show, Lanre. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Lanre, or maybe not. Lanre, Lanre, is Lanre there? Well, we... Can Can you hear me? There is Lanre. There you are. No, it's my computer
7: welcome. doing some stupid things with the audio in face, but who cares?
4: Welcome to the show. Well, this is, here we are, life radio making under lockdown time. So welcome. You're going to talk about a food project you're working on, a national food project to change the food landscape, and then something amazing you've done with the BBC. But first, uh, I think, well, we're going to take it over to uh, find out about the food project. So I think it was... Uh, Elir Saren, you want to start off and ask Landry about what he's been up to. So, Landry, tell us. So, you're working on a project called Bite Back, is that right?
7: Yeah. So, um I've been working like since um like August time with a charity called Bite Back 2030, um which is like a youth-led organization um that is campaigning to ensure that all young people have access to affordable and healthy food um and like one of the campaigns we've been working on currently is called add enough which is like calling for matt hancock to put an end to the vast amount of junk food advertising targeted at children and young people online um so yeah that's a small bit about bite back
4: So we're opening up to questions from any of our participants. So jump in if you've got a question here for Lon Ray.
3: Yeah. So, what uh, do you hope that this project will have an impact on both the country and, and the children?
7: Well, yeah, definitely because um, junk food marketing is um, something that I don't think many people are aware um, that it's happening because it's like they use so many different tactics to um, kind of real children and young people in. So. Um, it's like all about making sure that um, like people like Matt Hancock and the government are actively like listening to us and what we have to say to kind of make a change for children's future to come and to co- also kind of tackle child obesity as well in the in the process. And how did you, it's... oh, go ahead.
2: I think it's great what you're doing Lanre there because I think you just, you just made me think there they had the sugar tax and everything didn't they but it's, uh, yeah. um, it's no use having a sugar tax without when, when you're actually advertising the food as well so mm. um, I mean what do you think about that? Do you think that they, they would have a tax on, on um, junk food or do you think they should just stop advertising it altogether f- full stop? I
7: feel <coughs> sorry I feel they should limit the amount of advertising that's online yeah. for junk food in particular yeah. um, because like all, um, all like junk food um, like fast food restaurants have have something healthy on their menu that they can advertise so why are they not advertising that but instead they're kind of ha- advertising hamburgers and all mm-hmm. these type of stuff so it's like they can choose to um, make the right change which can influence like younger people to um, like eat healthily or they can just kind of steer them into like eating junk food, Um, which what we're not trying to say that people should stop eating junk food altogether. Like that's not what we're saying, but we're trying to say that it should like be consumed in like considerable amounts, if that makes sense.
2: Mm. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Mm. Yeah. 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 Very much. And how did you get, how did
4: you get involved in this project? Did they come to you? Did you seek them out?
7: so i think first and foremost um like obviously through being an myp um like we had an like someone who was an um, myp for last to kind of tell us about this organization that he was working with um to kind of open the floor to a youth leaders program which they ran in august and then from august time we ran we um like participated in that project and it was like good and then um, they opened the floor to join the youth board so I applied to join the youth board and now I'm on the youth board and like now we kind of steer the vision of um like Buyback Twenty Thirty as a whole. Um so they work with like other amazing organizations um to kind of do more work around like this space.
4: Ah, uh, great. And I'm curious, either Sarah or Ellie or George or anybody else, do you feel like you get a lot of bombarding from things of junk food advertisement coming through like on your phone or social media or or not so much. Anyone, anyone have thoughts on that?
3: It well, yeah, seems it's, like, okay, go. Um, well, yeah, really, if you think about it, it's hard to avoid because these companies have been, well, companies are paying for their junk food advertisements to, to go. And obviously cause now personalized advertisements are a thing. They can obviously know if you're mm. a young person or not. So then you are just getting bombarded with them, to be honest.
4: Mm. Well, Lanre, hopefully, and his team is there to try to change that. And Lanre, there's there's a way people can help out, right? Something people can do.
7: Yes. Um, so, if you um, if you like, if you're supporting what you're hearing, and you like want to kind of help the mission to like protect child health, if you go over to www.biteback2030.com, 2030 com, you can sign the open letter to Matt Hancock to protect child health um, because millions are being spent on junk food um, to have a starring role in young people's minds and it's deeply damaging our health. So head over to www.BiteBack2030.com.
3: Yeah, so now, can you tell us about the other projects that you do, Project 17?
7: Uh, So Project 17 um, was a radio um, special that I did with um, the BBC World Service back before um, the end of last year um it was looking at the 17th i always get this wrong 17 sustainable development goals set by the un and i was hosting the first episode which was about poverty and we were looking at poverty in the uk um and more specifically in east leeds and how and if um the uk government are on track to eradicating poverty by twenty thirty, I should add. By actually,
2: do we do we think that they will actually reach that goal or anywhere <laughs> near?
7: Well, after speaking to Chris Dyson, just from literally stones for a distance from Chapel, um, he's a
4: head teacher at one of the schools nearby. Yeah, at Parklands. Yeah.
7: And um, I, I had a lovely conversation with him about like how um, like austerity has kind of affected his children in his school. Mm. And I remember one thing he said um, was he phoned. Um, a chat He phoned a child, um, and he said he asked why he knew coming to school, and he said because it was his sister's turn to wear the shoes that day, and I said to myself, like, how can that happen yeah. in a country like the U K? So, currently, I don't think twenty thirty is a goal. Uh, I don't think they're going to reach a twenty thirty yeah. goal to end mm. poverty when something like that's happening.
2: Yeah. There's such a gap between rich and poor, isn't there? It's really it's sad. It is.
4: Big George, were you going to ask a question about Landry's BBC career?
5: Hey, yeah, I wanted to ask more about the BBC and I wanted to ask what, what was it like working with the BBC and how was that process, like recording the episode? like Was it online or did you go into a studio or something like that?
7: so because of um coronavirus um most of like it was like um so for the people that um weren't in leeds um so we ran interviews for five people in in total so one of them was um philip Alston, who was a special rapporteur for the un he was based somewhere in america um so we interviewed him like what we do now and then um, another one was um baroness philippa stroud who was a labor no tory mp no mm-hmm. not an mp tory member of the house of lords mm-hmm. um so that was also done online but then there was other interviews um that we did like socially distanced in person um so i, w- I went over to parkland's primary school to to interview chris dyson i went over to Catch in Hare hills to interview Shaquila and then i also went for a lovely walk in the leeds town center um to talk to someone in my youth council called Evie like about um, like austerity so I think working with them was brilliant and then kind of also to have like the support of my own school's radio station, Roundhay Radio, little plug there, um, to like kind of also record in like a studio-grade environment. Fantastic. Both
3: people's
4: Nope, oh, Go ahead.
3: Yeah,
7: thanks. I was just wondering what people, what people's reactions been to it. So I went on Twitter just um, like, you know, after it aired um, like last month. And I remember reading one of the tweets, like um, someone was really annoyed at how um, Baroness Stroud was kind of um, justifying um, like the stuff that was happening, such as when I told her the, about the situation with um um, the shoes um, from Chris Dyson. What he told me, she was like, um, "Oh, yes, it was unfortunate, but um, sometimes this stuff happens." And it's like, "Oh, this isn't, this isn't right." And then there was like, "Um, um, there was, it's also been in the press how, um, like some like media outlets have also um enjoyed listening to that particular program as well."
4: Great. Well, thanks, Landry, for sharing. And I think we should have you back on because I know you've got more projects kind of in the works as well in your, in your career, but you know, s- seeing you go off to do these amazing things with the BBC, with Bite Backs and other things is, is great. And uh, yeah, just knowing the things that you've been doing at Chapel FM, that that, that can be steps onto other things like these. So mm. any last thoughts before you head off?
7: No, all I can say is if you're listening, sign a letter www.biteback2030.com. It takes two minutes and you're gonna be changing everything. So yeah, thank you.
4: Great. Well, thanks, Lanre. We'll talk more to you soon. So we've got uh, just a moment. We're gonna hear from the next-gen musicians. And Sean, anyone else, do you wanna say a bit about what we're gonna be hearing next?
2: Yeah, so um, I went into it a little bit before. We've got a Kids in the Cupboard gig from Musicathon and we in our Next Gen Music group, we meet up every Thursday evening and it's a group of musicians with all kinds of different skills and talents really. Some people are into music journalism, other people are playing their instruments. There's just a lot going on really and um, we have been working on our Arts Award Bronze and um, one of the tasks for this is to review an an arts event basically so we chose to do kids in the cupboard from a year ago's musicathon at chapel fn so here is next gen music's kids in the cupboard feature
0: hello and welcome to red kite radio the youth music show we are talking about kids in the cupboard a quartet from east leeds academy who started in their practice room
4: okay so a round of applause everyone here and out there listening in in radio land and through through the youtube videos here they are kids in the cupboard <laughs>
0: all think about the gig um i quite liked that there was they did multiple covers of different songs and like different genres
3: um i think the only problem really was that the microphone sometimes got a bit quiet but that wasn't even their fault i think other than that i genuinely liked their covers i liked the christmas song because it made it feel festive um, I liked the um, Panic at the Disco song because um, that's actually one of my favourite bands. I also like the Panic at the Disco one. That was a good yeah,
0: uh, Yeah, I agree. Panic at Disco is pretty cool. Same as Ashton, I liked the Riptide song. They played it how it was meant to be played, with like an acoustic guitar and vocals, it was nice. Yeah, follow on from Luigi. Yeah, they were all great instrumentists. They were competent at... Is that the word? Instrumentalists. Yep. Yeah. And they were competent at their instrument. They didn't, like, I didn't hear any fret buzz or anything. It would be nice to have seen an original song from them that they composed and... Wrote because it would show more of their skill off and as writers, composers, and to work as an ensemble, um, in like together and see how that flows because you can just piece them together with a cover. But the covers were like quite good, they didn't like stray so heavily from the song, but they still felt original.
3: what i've learned is that showmanship is not just about making music but showmanship and how you interact with the crowd is just as important for getting the public opinion of your high
0: It shows me that it's possible for people to be in a band that young and, like, make it work. So, yeah, it's kind of inspirational. Uh, a lot of audiences will prefer interactions that are com- comfortable and relaxed and feel inclusive.
3: I've learned that if you go along, you can recover it.
0: Thank you for listening to Yeast Music Show. This is um, Ashton and I'm signing off. The spirit
8: climbs my spine to the brain Following the railroad tracks down again I needed space with soul Maybe we can die there
2: Welcome back to Red Kite. That song was Stop, I'm Already Dead by Dead Boy and the Elephant Man, which is a great name. The Elephant Man, sorry. Um, That was a choice by Ashton, one of the next-gen music groups. Um, Yeah, I really love it. It sounds a bit like Nirvana, kind of reminds me of my youth, so the singer sounds a bit like Kurt Cobain. So yeah, check them out, they're really good. Uh, Um, Over to Tony.
4: Great stuff. Well, we've had a great show so far, listening to Red Kite here at East Leeds FM. Uh, We heard a feature about The Sounds of Our City Museum exhibit taking you around uh, Leeds acoustic spaces and treasures. Uh, We had a good discussion with Lanre Adelier, one of our former broadcasters who's off to fame and fortune with the BBC and other projects. And that was just the Next Gen Musicians talking about uh, doing a music review of Kids in the Cupboard. And now we're very glad to welcome to the show from Leeds Playhouse, Gemma Woofenden to talk about a great project that anyone listening can get involved in. So hello Gemma, how are you?
9: Hello, good evening. Nice, thanks for having me.
4: Yes, welcome to our luxurious virtual radio studio or cool. right across Leeds. What part of Leeds are you are you calling in from?
9: I'm currently sat in my front room in Chapel Allerton.
4: Brilliant. Well I'm over here in Headingley, Elliott's and Seacroft doing tech. Sean, oh. you're headingly way, is also that right Also
2: in so we fairly know each other, yeah.
4: Brilliant. We just had Sarah and Ellie and George and others on from various parts of Leeds as well. Um, and this next project, though, I think is something that's of interest to anybody in the Leeds area. Something called Can You Hear Me? Is that right? Mm. Can you tell us a bit about can you hear me Gemma
9: yeah of course I'd love to tell you about it I feel like can you hear me is a perfect project for any young people listening to the show because it's all about audio um so can you hear me is a WhatsApp broadcast so not a group it's a broadcast which means that um people can't see your details or your number so you can just you can listen in and each week we broadcast an audio note from an industry professional. So we've um, teamed up with lots of different theatre directors, actors, um, beatboxers, and they're sending audio notes out one one a week on a Monday evening um, with some thoughts and an invitation for you to respond. And it's for young people aged 13 to 25. And we're hoping that um, if people sign up through the Playhouse website, that we'll hear from lots of young people and the idea is it's a way for people to stay connected while we're um, socially isolated and it's also a project that means you don't have to be on zoom it's very different because Mm -hmm. you can have the audio note in your pocket listen to it when you want to and respond if you want to but you don't have to you can just listen and enjoy listening to other young people um, responding to the audio notes from the professionals
4: well, and it's an amazing list of professionals. So we'll, uh, maybe you, you can share some of the artists who are taking part in it. Some of them will probably be familiar to Chapel FM audiences because I think a few of them have been involved in the past. Um, Sean, when you were an up-and-coming, you know, m- musician, the, the idea of like getting being able to hear from the experience from you know veteran artists, musicians, mm. how how important was that for you in your early early musical experiences?
2: Well, I think it's really important. I think it's really important to take your inspiration from from these people because i mean creativity doesn't happen in a vacuum you know yeah. and there's lots of things going on before you that you can take things from and um and um, you know you don't have to do it the same way as as them but um certainly there's a lot of advice to be taken there and yeah just don't think that you have to do it in a vacuum on your own because I, I really find creativity is a very um kind of process that you do with other people and from other people so yeah i think it's really important
9: Mm. i think um i think uh, like collaboration is so important you know if young people can understand about collaborating like we've been so lucky in during lockdown that the Playhouse has had so many projects where we can collaborate with local artists. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that for me as a theatre director, that's what I'm missing. I'm missing being able to work with other people. So we've had to find ways to bring people together to be creative. And collaboration is, yeah, definitely what it's all about. Mm.
2: Would you say that you would, when we're out of lockdown, actually use any of these kind of new ways of doing Mm. things um, alongside the face to face? Would you find that actually it helps you reach out to a wider audience in a way or would you are you just keen to go back to how things were? Uh, it's a great it's a
9: brilliant question i feel like myself and everybody in the playhouse connect team has really looked for different ways to communicate with people and join people together and actually we've we've learnt lots of new skills and encouraging mm. participants and people in the community to learn new skills um this whatsapp broadcast i think is brilliant um because If you're a young person who can't be somewhere at a certain time because you maybe have caring responsibilities or you don't have access to a laptop, or maybe you don't have the confidence to walk inside a theatre yet, um, projects like this and technology like this that we're using can sort of just build confidence and give you an insight into the industry from a place that feels a bit safer for you. So I, I love an audio note. Anyone who knows me, I love to WhatsApp. I'm, I'm dyslexic, so actually being able to talk a lot is really helpful to me. So I will definitely be looking to use something like a broadcast again. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
4: uh, great. And how did the, the artists involved? How did you how did you choose them?
9: Well, um, the Playhouse works with a range of different artists who are at different points in their careers. Um, I think for me, this was an opportunity to work with people maybe that I'd wanted to work with. Um, So Charlie Josephine is a writer who I've always really wanted to write uh, work with. So this was like a small project where we could get to work together. And then there are other artists who I know are brilliant. So like Testament, who is an amazing mm. uh, actor, writer, beatboxer, who recently, you know, that, that point when we could go to the theatre, when we were socially distancing um, and his show Orpheus through the record shop, or Orpheus in the record shop, sorry, um, that, that show happened, and I remember thinking, oh, I really miss seeing Testament, and then this was a way to, to link up with, with him again. So it's, yeah, we want to support local artists, we want to um, introduce young people to artists that they can aspire to and learn from, And and I think also, When I was a young person, I thought a lot of these people that I might see on stage, or you know, I'd pick up a book and I'd read a a play written by someone. I never thought it was a real person that I could ever talk to. So I think it's about opening up the, you know, demystifying what the industry is all about for create, you know, for aspiring creatives and and creating yeah opportunities for us to work together and champion people. Um, Yeah, just working with good people is is a great thing. (laughs)
2: We that actually idea. had Testament on the yeah, sorry, sorry Tony. No, uh, he did uh, his show work um, yeah. with us at Chapel FM, and um, it, it was great. And it was really interactive. And and um, we, he also did a hip hop workshop with the young people beforehand. So I really liked that. He's kind of got the right attitude what, mm. about what you've just said there, yeah. breaking down them barriers. Mm.
9: And if and if if young people want to sign up to this broadcast, they can hear from Testament and actually. What testament talks about is the fact that we have a voice, and it can be a really powerful way of communicating with people. Yeah. And the audio note invites young people to consider how they want to use their voice. Um, and we're also working um, with um, Samina Hussain, who's a theatre director, and she talks about you know how making theatre has invited her to consider the world from different perspectives. So. She talks you through an activity that gets you to just look at the room that you're in um, differently. And we've also got a brilliant um, uh, rapper, R&B artist called Natantu, who I've never worked with before, um, who's just recently, uh, last week, released a new song. Um, And his story is about being on the lineup for Glastonbury and that not happening for him, and how through that experience of, of a loss, um, he was invited to slow down and his career has his career path has taken gone off in a different direction, but it's also a, a, something good's come from it. So a lot of the messages from the artists are about making art for the fun of it, uh, looking at things from different perspectives, you know our need as human beings to be empathetic um, present ambitious, but not race ahead, you know, enjoy the journey that we're on as
4: creatives. And we're going to hear Natantu, N- I think, in just a little bit right after this conversation, and we'll share a testament later as well, and I think come back to it. I've signed up for it. I can't wait to hear the messages. And uh, mm. well, and here around Chapel FM, Sean works with a group of musicians. We have our broadcasters, writers, yeah. a young theater group, so we we'll look forward to sharing this. And anybody out here listening to Red Kite tonight and in the future, um, if they want to sign up in order to yes. get the. I was going to say, Tony. How do they if, do that? Yeah. Yeah.
9: So if people want to sign up and they can go to the Playhouse website, I guess they could also contact you guys and you can pass on the link. Sure. Um, as well as the Can You Hear Me project, we've also got a, another project um, that is an intergenerational project. We're looking for young people 16 to 25. And that is different. It's um, it's on Zoom and it's creating artwork alongside an artist. And that's called Reasons to be Hopeful. But the closing date for that is the 23rd of February. So that's Tuesday. So if you want to be involved in that, go to the Playhouse website. But can you hear me? You can sign up any time from now until the 12th of April. Um, So two very different projects, but focused for young people. And it's all on the Playhouse website. So yeah you can head over there and if you know if they have if anyone has any questions ask tony and tony you please ask me because we want people to join in
4: great we'll put the information on our website as well so reason to be hopeful that's closes next next tuesday and then can you hear me got lots of time but go ahead and sign up now and you'll start getting the messages which is great so Gemma, Gemma Woofenden from leeds playhouse so last before we go just anything in your and your kind of fantasy list about things you're waiting, looking forward to when theatres do reopen, oh. a show that you want to do, something you're eager to see, or just something you're eager to experience again?
9: Oh, it's that is such a high stakes question. Um, mm. I, I, I don't know, I would love to be in a space, in an audience, with other people, sharing, yeah. uh, a, a, you know, seeing a story that provokes me to consider my life, um, and other people's lives, and if I can be in a space with young people making a show as well, that would be great. um I just want us to be able to be closer to each other. I think that whole thing of those face to face interactions is what I really enjoy um and I didn't know how much I enjoyed it till it, I wasn't able to do it so I've learned a lot in this in this time of the pandemic a lot yeah, well,
4: that's too. We can't wait to come down to the playhouse and see you and all the others and and the work that you all make there. So thanks for joining us on Red Kite. Thank you for having me. And here now we have Nantantu. Is that how you say it? Pressures? Oh my goodness. This is one of the artists involved in Can You Hear Me?
10: Whoa. Please don't give me too much peer pressure. Make it dance like this. Eh, 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 eh. Oh my goodness. Did oh it, my did God. It, did it. Okay. Okay. Fill okay. my cup, baby. No chase. Okay. Body the air like a supplant. Bend your back like Beyonce. Ooh. One shot there for all the bad man. Hey. Two shot there for all the bad hey. Yeah. Hey. Stomp your feet like a soldier. Hey. Oh no, she did it for the culture. No, oh. we don't want no pasa. No kingdom like Mufasa. Oh, oh. in this thing. Too Get down, please don't go give into to pressure. If your are a jump off a bridge, then put you for so If your are a jump off a bridge, then put you for so oh, Everybody dead, everybody dead, 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 dead. Everybody dead, everybody dead, 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 dead. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Holiday. Broken. Set it. Picture pose so we know. Don't forget it. Uh. Kisha. Dami, Sophie. Becky. Peng Ting's doing the most in the ready. Hey. One more shot for her for the bad y'all. Tell the DJ reload it. Yo DJ, reload, reload it, it. Hey, we don't want no bussa. Hey, kingdom like mufasa moving hey. hey, pressure make you party after party after party If your bread drinker jump off a bridge, then won't you If your bread drinker...
4: Natantu, one of the artists in Leeds Playhouse Can You Hear Me project that Gemma Woofenden was just talking about. And Sean, we're getting close to the end of the show, but we've got a special interview coming up in just a moment with two guests, two parts of one building coming up, which is the Chapel FM Art Center, which if you've been there, good listeners, you may know that we used to be in this 1874 old Methodist chapel that's been turned into a radio studios and theater and community cafe. But since lockdown began almost a year ago, we joined up that old chapel with the newer 1970s church hall, and they're now connected. Um, and hopefully someday in the not too distant future, all of you listeners and people in the community will be able to come in and see the new space. But Sean, you've been there a couple times during lockdown, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I came in for a couple of team meetings, while some of it was on Zoom and some was in face to face. So that was yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, I had a good look around because it's um, it's interesting for me on a music level and events level and and spaces where my group can actually make music and and make some sound and um, it's really really great what what they've done with the with the hall and um, and I just think it fits in really well with the rest of the chapel. We've got the old, old features of the chapel, like an, an ancient organ in the upstairs in Studio 3, which um, I always think looks amazing and, um, and yeah, it's just kind of modernised the hall the really and given us a lot of space. We've got a cafe now, so that's quite exciting because I'm always excited by food, it must be said, yeah. and uh, a library area and everything. So yeah, it's really exciting, can't wait to, for, for everyone to get back in really.
4: Well, and to give you a taste of it, now we have the next gen broadcasters doing an exclusive interview with the old Methodist chapel and the newer Methodist church hall joined together. So here they are talking to the building.
0: Welcome back to Red Kite Radio. I'm Sar and I'm joined here with Tony, Jake and Harry and two very special guests. Not really people, I think. More objects. We've got the chapel from the 1870s and we've got the city hall from the, from the 1970s. And we're just going to be asking them a few questions.
4: We haven't been around. None of us have really been there. A few of us have popped in a little bit here and there just to sort out some practical bits, but all the rest of us human beings haven't been there. So how, how are you feeling in this past year of lockdown and people being away.
11: Well, I could do with a very good dose.
12: Me me too actually. Yeah, it's a bit and uh, especially as the builders left such a lot of mess as oh, well. Oh, they
11: did.
12: And I just I just don't feel wanted at the minute, you know. And I, 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 I need to relate to people, you know. Age of Aquarius and all that sort of thing, you know.
11: I did miss everybody and I did miss all the creativity, the coming and going. Um, But then it got a bit dull. It was nice to have a rest and then it just got really dull, didn't it, love?
3: What is your opinion on the idea of a 21st century group of radio producers taking over what is essentially an 1800s religious building? Well,
11: I have to say at first, I was a bit disappointed. I'd got used to people coming in to worship and singing hymns and things, and I got used to how regular that they used to come in. I mean, you knew where you were with a religious crowd. They'd be in on a Sunday, and you'd have the rest of the week, more or less, to just relax and prepare for the next weekend. But when we got took over by these radio enthusiasts, well, I didn't really know what radio was. I thought it was something maybe a bit dangerous, you know, talking to things that aren't fair. But um, they turned out to be very nice people. They treated me very well and they were full of ideas and enthusiasm and jokes. Thank you. I think the first couple of times I heard radio, it was it frightened me to be honest. I mean, you just have people wearing strange ears. Um talking into these big fluffy things and then sounds coming from other places it was and the music i've never heard music like that before so oh it, it, it made me
0: so seeing as you guys have just being you know spectators essentially to the the human world how does it feel to finally be able to you know, get your thoughts out and interact with us.
12: Well, well, I never felt entirely a spectator. To be honest, I felt our as much part of the body um, of work as anything else. Because remember, um, uh, right back to biblical times, the church was described as a body of people. So when, uh, as I was a church, I felt part of that body. Uh, maybe not the heads, hands, or the feet. Um, probably more the sort of armpit or. Um, the, the piece of skin at the nape of the neck or something like that. But I very much felt part of the body of what was going out at all times. And I think m- my structure, particularly the innovative use of asbestos in my construction, really sort of contributed to having a sort of up-to-date feel to things, you know, very 70s feel to things, because lest we forget... Um, uh, many people still live in the 1970s, both politically and m- musically. I'm
11: looking forward to the future. I haven't been looking. I wasn't looking forward to lockdown. I have to say that because I'm sick to death a bit. And I still am. But I'm looking forward to people coming back. I'm looking forward to life coming back.
12: Oh, I don't know. I, I, I like that. to be honest. I'm, I'm getting quite used to all the quiet. You know, I, I mean, one thing we don't have. We don't have none of that plastic litter, uh, and you know we never had that in the seventies. We had good old fashioned paper litter. None of your plastic rubbish. Go you in. see, you seem to be
0: mourning a lot of each other. Is there anything you like about each other? Well, I like his eating. <laughs> well, I mean, don't mistake this
12: for mourning. This is the basis of most um, adult relationships in the nineteen
11: seventies. Don't forget. I suppose it keeps me company, it's nice to have company, I and mean, it's nice that we make But I suppose it's like a marriage dream. I can imagine, I'm unaware if you've seen the, uh, the documents that were released if Leeds and eventually Seacroft was to be targeted by
3: a nuclear strike, obviously. The chapel would have been destroyed. Would you uh, say you had the same sort of fear most people had of eventual
11: total nuclear annihilation? Well, I, I think
12: that um, it was never a priority for me because, of course, the main target for Cold War missiles was, of course, the RAF bases up and down the A1. Oh, and yes,
7: given that definitely. we're
12: very adjacent to the A1, um, uh, we were, of course, um, part of that sort of collateral damage type equation that reigned during the Cold War but I felt quite bitter that that my sort of roof wasn't one of the buildings in East Leeds selected to have the sirens on the top because every now and again they did used to go off by mistake which confused people did. and um, uh, but I just I was I sort of hankered for one really. I, I think when you had one of those on your roof you felt you'd arrived. You know, you felt you'd arrived.
11: I have to say, I'm glad we didn't get one because I would have just been a bag of nerds, just waiting for it to go off constantly and worried that it'd go off for the wrong reason or it wouldn't go off when it was needed. So I'm really glad we didn't get one. Oh, but going worry. back a bit further, I remember the First World War, the Second World War and... To be honest, they were scarier than the Cold War because it actually was raining bombs in those times. Um, Not all the time, but you were aware that you were in a war then and any minute you could be smashed to pieces. And who knows whether they'd have bothered to rebuild me. It did get to the point where I just thought, do you know what, forget it, I'm going to... Live every day as if it's my last day. Because one day I'll be right. I'll get well, just by the and What's the use in just spending your time worrying about it? Just get over it. Enjoy what time you've got left. Well, I'd just like to say thank you to Elliot for being there, just to know that somebody was keeping an eye on us, um, if if we'd have burnt down, you know, or if there'd have been vandalism or something, um, just to know that at least one person would be there to look out for us and sort things out for us. That was reassuring during lockdown, yeah.
12: Yeah, um, I mean, I always look on mine and Elliot's relationship as similar to that between a man and his dog, but both of each of us thinks the other one's the dog. Yeah, but um,
11: Elliot's right. He's the man and you're the dog. Do you have a piece of music you
12: like to share with us? Especially for Harry. we want him to go look up a, a, a lesser-known 70s hit Um, which was by one of my favourite 70s bands, XTC, Living Through Another Cuba.
11: Oh, that was lovely. Yes, I liked that as well, yeah. Thank you, thank you.
4: 1870s Methodist Church Hall, now Chapel FM, and 1970s Church Hall joined together at long last, and we're excited to come back and see you be there in person. Thank you, Harry. Thanks, Jake. Sam Harris and others who joined us earlier, and Elliot, as usual, for doing all the tech behind the scenes. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. See you later.
8: They love me to one
4: that was Living Through Another Cuba by XTC, chosen by the 1970s Church Hall that's now joined up with the Chapel FM Art Center, and we just heard an interview with them and the Next Gen broadcasters. So Sean, it's at the end of another action-packed episode of The Red Kite here in yeah, February.
2: it's been great. I've, and I must say, I've never heard building talk before. Um, so that was quite interesting, and a good choice of music as well. Was yeah, and good to know
4: that the two halves of the building more or less get along. I mean, they are a bit <laughs> like a you know a long married couple with a little <laughs> little bit of uh, arguing, but and good to hear they appreciate Elliot's work looking after them these yeah. mon- many months of lockdown. So we have a few events coming up in Chapel FM in the Chapel FM universe, uh, starting with next Friday, we've got a digital live event, is that right? Mm
2: -hmm. So we have the return of our open mic night. So we used to do an open mic night at the, well, yeah, the same the last Friday of every month uh, when we were in the building. And um, it was quite sad when we had lockdown that we couldn't do that anymore because we had a lot of people in playing all sorts of different music, all kind of different shows, spoken word, um, anything goes really. Uh, so we're really excited to have our open mic night again um albeit digitally and um, so we still are calling out for people to to come and show their skills um if you would like to come and do our open mic night if you just go on our website and um it'll give you uh, contact details for elliot and um he can do a sound test with you and sort out everything you need so do get in touch it'd be great to hear from you um otherwise tune in and uh, listen to to, to our apps, it's uh, usually pretty exciting. So there you go, open mic night on the 26th.
4: So, and I, I just noticed that the last open mic that we did at the chapel was February 28th of last year. So wow. almost exactly a year ago, which was titled, by the way, maybe maybe this was a mistake on our part. The title was the last ever many oh, parentheses, wow. not really open mic, but thankfully this Friday will prove that prediction wrong and yep. bring the open mic back little did we know it was going to be a year we didn't expect that, wow. we said that but and, um, there we are so anyway lots more coming up on east Leeds fm over the next few weeks so stay tuned all the programs the delhi love the words willie's nerdy news left of Leeds, and many many more so just visit the website and you'll find out about all the shows coming up so yeah so thanks sean for co-hosting with me
2: yeah thank you it's been a great show thanks for the, the listeners
4: yeah and thanks to to Sarah and Ellie, George, Lanre, Gemma, and the others who joined us for the show, and Elliot for doing tech.
2: And now we've got a little bit of music to go out with. Let's see, what do we have here? this is the Goodnight Irene by the Dixie Bells. Um, I chose this one actually. I was looking for Goodnight Irene because it was a good night, goodbye song. Um, yeah. And these guys came up and, and it's it's really cool actually. Um, they are a Dixieland band of all, all female older musicians, which um speaking as a woman, it's kind of harder to get into the music industry, especially as an older musician. Um so led by Peggy Gilbert at the age of 69. So they they started off in 1974. So this is Goodnight Irene by the Dixie Bells.